It's time for the Video Marketing Value Podcast. This is the podcast where we help marketers and business owners just like you get more value out of your video marketing efforts. My name is Dane Golden from VidUp and VidTarget. Used to be called Hey.com, not anymore. And today we have a special guest, Sonia Atchison of Microsoft. Welcome, Sonia. <laughs> Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks, Dean. I'm excited to have you here, Sonia, because you seem to be doing a very unusual job at Microsoft with the Office 365 team. And you're going to tell me if I'm right here. So <laughs> your team manages both the support docs in video form on uh, support.office.com. And you also work on the YouTube side, connecting with productivity influencers who are using Microsoft and showing people how to do it on YouTube. Is that all sort of correct? <laughs> yeah. So um, so I work with a pretty big team and we produce a, a ton of written and video how-to content that we publish on support.office.com. And then we also work to syndicate that content on the Office 365 um, YouTube channel. And okay. then um, kind of my role within that is as a content strategist. So I'm sort of looking at the landscape of, you know, customer needs and content platforms and trends, consumption habits, and then um, our resourcing and production capabilities, and then making recommendations on content investment areas that align with our business objectives. Um, it also right. means that I lead some incubation efforts um, in experimental investment areas, like you were mentioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of it seems experimental. And I want to ask about what I sort of think as the weirdest part, which some people <laughs> may think is weird. I do. Okay. Now, I think you are in the engineering department, but essentially you're doing marketing. Do they know about this? Is this a renegade project? Or are they just finding out about this by listening <laughs> that, to this podcast? That's a, that's a funny question. So um, they definitely know about it. We work very closely <laughs> together. Um, the, so so I it's do okay. <laughs> We're not doing anything illegal. <laughs> Everything is good. Everything's above board. Um, yeah, I sit with an engineering and we work kind of in lockstep with our partners in marketing because they they have a good sense of what we're trying to share out to our customers. And we have a good sense of what customers need in terms of um, learning how to use our products. And so we sort of blend the two worlds. Um, yeah, so they're, they're definitely aware and uh, supportive and helpful. And uh, we have a great partnership. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if you've ever worked for a, a tech company, you know, getting marketing and engineering together is a challenge. And I really admire that you seem to be seem to be doing this pretty well. Um, help me understand, is a how-to, or in your opinion, mm -hmm. is a how-to video or a support video sort of marketing? <laughs> yes, my opinion is yes. Although I think they're just labels, right? Because we're really just trying to help people learn how to do things. And it just mm -hmm. depends on you know, for what purpose. Right. And so, um, I, I pulled some numbers, so I wanted to throw some numbers out there. What because numbers? What I do. <laughs> I'm a content strategist and I All like right. numbers. Okay. Um, so CMI content marketing Institute did a study back in March of technology content marketing. And, um, in that study, it showed that 79% of tech marketers are now using how to content in the sales funnel to nurture audiences. And, um, it, with a 64% increase in their use of video. So that's, that's one figure. <laughs> wow. And then, um, 
specific to YouTube, uh, Pew had done a study, um, I think it was last year. And Pew, P-E-W? What was that? Pew is Pew, P-E-W? Yeah. Okay. Pew, Pew Research. Not Pew yeah. Pew. Okay, go on. <laughs> I mean, maybe they could go with that, but yeah, okay. Pew Research. All right, all right. <laughs> they did a study um, probably, I don't know, I, I think it was a year ago. I'm not, I'm not positive on the date there, but um, – they were looking just at the U.S. and um, specific to YouTube. Most people in the U.S., most adults, are using YouTube. The numbers that they had were um, you know, 91% of 18 to 24-year-olds use YouTube, um, 87% of 30 to 49-year-olds, 70% of 50 to 64-year-olds. So most U.S. adults are using YouTube. And then um, sort of the next layer of the study looked at how-to learning. So um, 87% of U.S. adults who use YouTube say that it's important for how-to learning. And then um, kind of taking that one step further, just over half, 54% of U.S. adults who use YouTube say that it's important for making purchase decisions. And so when you look at sort of that landscape, um, it does say to me that how-to content is important for marketing purposes. Um, I think of it in a couple of different ways. One is around search so that Something, some video answer is there to explain uh, a desired solution to a customer who is considering purchase. Um, and then also from a social standpoint, making sure that customers are aware of the day-to-day -day solutions that your product has um, delivered in the places where people are already spending their time. So YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, those sorts of places. Um, and again, that's also really good during initial consideration because we're showing up in the places that make sense um, to a, someone um, every day. Uh, but then it's also you know, good for consideration on the renewal side of things. So once someone has already made a purchase and is using your product, um, you want them to renew. You want them to stay your customer. And so uh, landing some of that how-to information in the places where they are already consuming a lot of content makes sense because um, it's sort of presenting solutions to their problems uh, in right in their face. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, well, what about the concept that if I see that there's many, many helpful how-to documents, that if I'm making buying decision for my company and I'm saying, should I get product A or product B, if I see there are just a huge resource of how to do things and that the company's taking an effort to be really helpful through video, mm -hmm. they will lean on the side of that product because they will say, well, they clearly have, they have great support and it's easy to learn and they show you how to do it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good observation. Now, um, so help me understand you have videos on the Microsoft website, but you also have them on YouTube. How are they, how are they different if you have videos on the Microsoft support website or on YouTube or are they same? Yeah. So, so um, for the most part, what we have out there is the same. So we have um, videos that we produce for support.office.com that are uh, training videos that are kind of longer form. And then uh, we have some very short versions of videos that are, um, there's no voiceover. It's just a visual um, with some text that sort of points around to what you're doing on the screen. Uh, both of those styles of videos we use on support.office.com. And then we also use them on YouTube and um, occasionally on Facebook and Twitter in partnership with our, our marketing, um, our marketing leads. And so uh, we, we use those there. Um, on YouTube specifically, we're starting to explore the concept of what it looks like to do something native to YouTube. 
Um, and so you'll see we have a series on the Office 365 channel now that's all about what's new in Microsoft 365. Right. And uh, that one is designed to be YouTube native. And um, it's definitely an, uh, a work in progress. We're learning as we go. But um, we're trying to you know listen very closely to the audience and respond in the best way that we can and improve month over month. Um, same well, as really anyone who's publishing to YouTube does. So well, you were saying that... Um, not using dialogue in the videos gives you some flexibility. Could you talk yeah. about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, Microsoft products are available globally, which means there's a lot of languages where people um, need information delivered. And uh, and so when we take voiceover out of the picture it, and just use text on the screen with, um, you know, kind of a click through of the elements on the screen that we're talking about, uh, that helps from a localization standpoint. It's much easier to localize text and screenshots uh, within a certain time frame um, than, than it is to localize also the, the voiceover. Um, and so from a production standpoint, it makes a lot of sense for us. How many different languages are you doing on the website Gosh, for videos? I wish I had that number for you. I wish I did. Um, I, it, I, I will have to follow up with you afterwards on that because it, it is quite a few. Um yeah. Wow. Well, a lot, just a lot that you don't a even lot. know how it's many. <laughs> that's good enough. That's a yeah. that's a that's a good number. Yeah. What, what? Um. So so I've talked to support people in the past who say, "Listen, we just can't do video on our support docs because our products are changing all the time." How do you deal with a change of a feature or some sort of update? Uh, do you have to redo every video? Do you make your videos in a certain way? Or even if it's not how you'd happen to do videos, maybe your product cycle is a little bit longer than some SaaS, SaaS products. Mm -hmm. How might people approach this? Yeah, so our products do change a lot. Um, and so it's kind of, there's, there's sort of two elements to it. One is deciding what to create a video on and what not to create a video on. Um, we do look to try to create videos on the things that are, um, you know, top of mind for customers. Like, what are they what are they really going to need as opposed to just, you know, making a broad swath and creating videos for everything? Because we do have to take maintenance into account. Um, what happens is, so we, we have a bunch of writers that are assigned to different product areas. Um, we have a, a, a huge team. And I wouldn't say huge, but we have a decent sized team. A huge uh, team! <laughs> it's not huge. It's, it's a decent size. Um, and and the, they each kind of have ownership over specific product areas. And so when the, those product areas change, um, they are responsible for flagging their related videos as needing an update. And so um, behind the scenes, we've got an internal video management system where every video gets assigned an ID. Um, and so, and then we also have a, a video catalog where that internal ID is matched with a YouTube ID once it's published to YouTube. And so um, basically what happens is once the updated video is produced um, in our internal video um, video management system, which is what we use to publish the videos to support office.com, for example, mm -hmm. in that system, it's, it's pretty simple. We can swap out the MP4 and the caption files that are associated with a particular ID, and then we don't have to go and re-embed it everywhere. Right. Um, but you can't do that on YouTube. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't just upload oh, a replacement a video. <laughs> um, so what we're doing is uh, tracking sort of that internal ID against the YouTube ID. And when I know that that internal ID has been updated, 
uh, with a new version of that video, then we go and look for that corresponding YouTube video ID, make that video unlisted on YouTube, yeah. and, and publish the new one and oh. associate new video ID with the internal ID. And put so that it, in your playlist on YouTube and so forth. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's a that's a nuanced and sophisticated process. It is, I, it is, uh, I, it's tough to do at scale. <laughs> but it's doable and you feel and clearly you feel it's important. It is. It's definitely important. Um, you know, we want customers to be able to get the answers that they need and we have the content. And I mean, YouTube's the number one uh, or number two website globally, mm -hmm. top, definitely a top search engine for um, especially as you go down in the generations. And so uh, making sure that the information is there if they need it. I mean, that, that's a pretty big deal. Now, you have another part of your job. Well, let me just touch on that before I move on to the next question. Mm -hmm. um, when when you say it's really big, now, you already have all of the videos on your website. They can go onto your website and find all of the answers that you're answering. Why do you do it on YouTube, too? A lot of people go to YouTube first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> A lot. Um, a lot of people, you know, there are definitely a, a significant portion of our customer base does look for our, our support content either through the app itself. So in the help pane um, or, you know, does a, a broad, um, you know, web search for the different answers that they're looking for. But because um, video content is such a huge um, a, a huge preference for people. There are a lot of people who go to YouTube before anywhere else, before they go to, you know, Google or Bing or wherever. Um, they hit YouTube first because they want their answer in a video format. And so um, it, it's important to make sure that our content is there and, and providing that answer um, so that, you know, that when they're trying to find the solution, they find our product and as opposed to a competitor product. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you also work with, you call them productivity influencers? <laughs> yes. Well, I call them a lot of things. I call them creators. <laughs> okay. Okay. Productivity oh, yeah. creators. Yeah. And how do you do that? Uh, do you, I mean, there's a lot of people who create tutorials. What's your method of working with them? Yeah. So I'm going to throw some more numbers. <laughs> All right. More numbers. So um, the Edelman Trust Barometer, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's a, a report. That no, but I trust Edelman it. Does. Yes. They, they released a report earlier this year. And um, in that report, it showed that 63% of 18 to 34 year olds trust influencers over brands. Mm -hmm. And um, because of an influencer, 58% bought a new product in the last six months. 40% trust the brand and 33% talked about the brand. And so when you take those numbers and you pair them with the numbers we were talking about earlier around how to content uh, in the funnel, um, it starts to present a pretty interesting opportunity. And so um, what I looked at was, you know, the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of people out there with YouTube channels that include and sometimes entirely focus on how-to content about Microsoft products and services. And um, I mean, you can you can call them influencers if you want. Hmm. Uh, they definitely are influential in a lot of ways. But for the most part, they consider themselves to be experts and trainers. And um, a lot of them have entire businesses built around that content. And so um, from a brand perspective, there are a couple of things that came to mind for me. One was that, you know, customers search for content before purchasing, like we've been talking about. And they're almost always presented with content from these community experts before they're presented with our content. And there are a lot of kind of 
algorithmic reasons behind that. But um, but that's a that's a fact. That's what's happening. And then the other factor that came to mind was that, you know, when customers get stuck, at least some portion of them are going out there and seeking help from these community experts that they right. feel that they can trust to give them a straight answer. And um, and because those experts want to help and are interested in kind of growing their audiences, they often provide that one on one guidance. And so um, kind of given all of those factors and, and the fact that as a brand, we want to make sure that people have and share accurate information about our um, products and services. Uh, we started growing a program called Microsoft Creators and mm -hmm. um, started that about a year and a half ago. It's it's a, It started as just sort of a research project and then evolved into something a little bit more substantial. Um, through the program, we're curating playlists of community content that we link to from our support site. So you can get to that either through support.office.com or also through um, the help pane in app. Well, let me stop you there because I have yep. some questions. Yeah, so, so, so my first question is, do you ask them or tell them that you're making them part of a playlist? Uh, we offer. So we don't take it. We don't, um, you know, specifically go and seek things out. We just offer. If you'd like to be a part of this, here's how you can submit your videos um, and if they choose to do that, so awesome. people, people send them on your website, for instance, they'll say, be in a play, our YouTube playlist. Is that what you so say? When, what we do is we, um, we partner with specific creators. So yeah. we're looking for people who are out there actively trying to build content, yeah. um, and, and invite them to join this program. And then, um, once they've joined the, and understand sort of the terms of, um, mm -hmm the terms of being part of the program, then they get access to a form where they can submit their videos to those playlists. So, so they'll send you essentially, it ends up in an email or something. And you say this either, I like this for, for this playlist or I don't. And then you decide you add it to a playlist on your YouTube channel. It's yep. their video on their channel, but mm -hmm. it's part of your playlist. Yes, but they get all of the views. They get all of the watch time. It, it's all theirs. Their playlist just serves as a wrapper, bringing everything together in sort of a uh, under a specific subject. And that's and that's um, a lot of companies don't know that you you know first of all you don't need to ask permission to make a playlist of any video. You could do this without asking them, and you're still within YouTube's terms. But I think you form a small, a stronger bond by creating this relationship with the creators, and they're really excited to make a video that's going to be featured in your playlist. But you technically you don't need to ask them. No, from a technical perspective, you, the playlist functionality is there, and you can add whatever you like to it. Um, I know on you know my personal account, I, I use that all the time to curate music that I like to listen to, or you know videos that I thought were really entertaining, that kind of thing. And so um, I do that all the time anyway. I'm just sort of a curator. But um, you know, from a brand perspective, I, I don't want to go out and just take things from people. I, I want to make sure that we have a good relationship. And this is something that they would want. They would want right. that exposure. Sure. But I, uh, because but not I, everybody does. But I also also want to ask you, you mentioned that it's also on your website. Are you saying that you're taking a YouTube video and making a playlist and either embedding a series of videos on a page or a playlist, a YouTube playlist within a web page? 
So we include a link to the playlist from support.office.com pages. So could you, you might send see... me a link to that so I can yeah, feature absolutely. that in our show notes? Yeah, for sure. So I, I'll give you a link to the VLOOKUP article, for example. So okay. uh, VLOOKUP is a function within Excel, and we have a playlist full of videos about VLOOKUP. Um, and so when you go to the support article about how to use VLOOKUP, uh, there'll be a link in there in um, the U.S. version of the page that will, you know, cross link out and pop open a new tab with that playlist on YouTube. And, and I wanted to ask, we had talked about this previously, but um, are you create? it sounds like you're creating a method where they can also have more access to insiders at Microsoft if they have a question or that was yeah, a theory right. anyway. That's right. So there, are, so we've been talking a lot about the curation aspects of the program. There are a couple of other aspects. Um, one is what you're talking about. So as um, when I, I used to write content for um, one of our products, and when I sat down to write an article about something, the first thing that I would do is sit down next to one of the product managers and ask them a ton of questions and, you know, try to get clarification about how the particular feature worked. And um, so what I'm trying to do with this program is sort of enable that same opportunity, but for um, creators out in the wild who are, you know, producing their own content. And so we um, have a Teams call series where we will bring on, um, you know, product managers or, or even sometimes developers of the product uh, to come and say, you know, here's how this thing works and um, give creators an opportunity to ask questions and, um, you know, get clarification on that functionality so that when they I go see. back to their desks and create that content, ideally, then it's um, more accurate than they would have been able to do otherwise. That's a real resource for your uh, creators. And I think a lot of companies should do this more. Where does video belong? Is it at the top of the funnel? Where is it? <laughs> So I think it's everywhere. Um, that's my perspective. Video, you know, there all the trends are pointing to the fact that video consumption is huge. Lots of videos are being consumed for lots of reasons. And so from my perspective, um, video kind of belongs everywhere. It's just a matter of making sure that you're targeting the right content in the right place. So, you know, thinking about like, who who is your audience now? And who do you want to attract as customers? Um, where you're trying to talk to your desired audience in relation to their consumption habits, um, you know, understanding why your audience is consuming content at any given point and what's in it for them, what resonates with them, not just the, you know, not only the subject, but also the style of video, um, a video that's on, you know, Facebook might need to look different from a video that's on your support page, for example, or that's on, you know, YouTube, or there, there might be different types that resonate better. Um, and, and also, you know, who are your customers actually listening to? Are they listening to you or, is, or are they listening to someone else? And if it's someone else, what are those other people saying in their videos? You know, these are all really good factors to be thinking about. And um, I also think that it's important to remember that when someone lands at the bottom of the funnel, um, the content story doesn't actually end because, um, you know, you do need people to renew and continue to use your product. And, um I'm a big fan of the loyalty loop concept. Andrew Davis talks about a bunch and then also huge fan of um, Brian Solis's related work on Influence 2.0. Mm -hmm. They both kind of show instead of a funnel, it's more like a, an infinity symbol. It's more like a loop. And um, so I, I think it's really important to think about that, that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the the introduction of apps and subscription models has really changed the dynamic of that funnel. And if your product's not intuitive or doesn't solve someone's problem the way that they were expecting, people move on. Um, and so you need to sort of not just earn that 
initial sale or that initial install at the bottom of the funnel, but then kind of have a continual uh, content that supports continual use and continual right. renewal. And, and, and lastly, I wanted to ask you, Sonia, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you can tell me this, but can you describe the studio you're in? You, you have Microsoft, <laughs> Microsoft has such a commitment to video that you've, they've created this studio yes. for you. Could you yes. explain how it works? I think every company should do this. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, um, every time I talk about this, somebody, uh, wants to hear more. Um, so a person that's on my team developed this. I did not develop it. I'm just sitting in it. Uh, but it's called the autonomous video booth. And um, it's the autonomous cool. video booth. <laughs> yeah. We call them AVBs. Okay. And what's, <laughs> um, what does it do? And so what it is, it, it's a room that's really just the size of a small office. It's uh, got sound dampening all, all of the walls. It's got lighting already in here. Um, the mics are already in here. It's got a couple of different camera angles. And then there are uh, a few different backdrops that you can sort of uh, rotate in and out with a uh, chain-driven system. Um, and, you know, a little bit of props. There's a, I'm sitting here on a, a very lovely stool and there's a table and um, you come in and, and you swipe your badge uh, so it knows who you are. And then you press a big red button and start recording. And um, when you're done, you hit the big red button again and it dumps out um, an MP4 and then, uh, you know, split audio and video files so that you can go and edit them. And um, there's a, a simple web editor that you can use if you don't have editing software. So um, it's pretty cool. It's uh, it lets you, you know, as an employee, I don't, I, I, I work with a video team, but they're very, very busy and doing very important things for our customers. And so um, being able to come into a room like this to, to record, um, things that I want to share maybe internally or maybe with, uh, people in the community like you. Um, it, it's really nice because it, I'm not, you know, taking up someone else's time and the message still gets out with pretty decent quality. So, um, that's where I'm at. <laughs> I, I think w where you're at, I think is the future of our working world where videos become so integral that everyone has to have it and it has to be simple. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really effective too. It's um, definitely helping tell you know tell stories internally here at Microsoft. So now, Sonia Atchison, how can people find more about you and what you're doing <laughs> at Microsoft? I am um, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm also on Twitter. Um, primarily LinkedIn, I, I would say, is the, your best bet. Please feel free to reach out. And I'll add those links in the show notes. Thank you, Sonia Atchison. Thank you. I really appreciate the time, Dean. Thank you. My name is Dane Golden, and I want to thank you, the listener, for joining us today. I want to invite you to review us on Apple Podcasts because that helps people find out more about, about us, and we can help even more people. I do this podcast and the other YouTube videos and speaking because I love helping businesses do YouTube and video marketing better. Thanks to our special guest, Sonia Atchison. Until next week, here's to helping you help your customers through videos.